For the ones finding new ways to ensure the job always gets done. For the ones wearing many hats. For the ones who are hands-on, even from far away. And the ones keeping business moving forward. We are Granger, Offering supplies and solutions for every industry. With 24-7 support and experienced staff at over 250 local branches. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger For the ones who get it done. Game time on the big stage Sunday Night Football. Welcome to the Huddle Up Podcast with Chad Jansen and Luke Coldplays. Your go-to show for all things Broncos. That's right. Welcome in, everybody, to the Huddle Up Podcast. It is time to drop some knowledge. I'm Chad Jensen, the publisher of MileHighHuddle.com, Scout Media, CBS Sports Digital. My co-host Luke Polglaze is out today. But I am going to welcome in a very special guest, senior draft analyst for Mile High Huddle, Eric Trickle. Eric, dude, it must be like Christmas for you right now with all this draft stuff going on. We're, we're tracking this episode, very quick, short and sweet episode, just as round two of the 2017 NFL draft is kicking off. Very, very excited. I love this time of year. Draft day is one of my favorite days. Uh, this is actually my second favorite round. I'm not. I like the first round, but day three is where it's at. I love seeing those guys who finally get that shot after waiting to hear their name call, and that's normally where you hear the good stories for football players. But I, I love day two as well. You see those first round fallers, and I just love it. One of the things I found over the last couple of years that I kind of get a kick out of just adds a little bit of interest and intrigue to the draft for me is seeing how many of the guys – that you do the uh, Finding Broncos scouting reports on end up with the Broncos. It'll be interesting to see. I mean, I think this year was a record for how many Finding Broncos uh, we published of yours. So it'll be interesting to see how many of those guys, if any, we'll see, uh, end up with the Denver Broncos. And we're going to talk today real quick about Garrett Bowles. Before we do, though, understand... Huddle Up is not here to just report the news. We're here to give you a deep dive on your favorite team, the Denver Broncos. And as a listener, what you can really do to help us out is rate these episodes and comment on iTunes. You have no idea how important that is to us. So for each listener to the show right now, this is a personal challenge, a personal request from me, your host. Take a quick second, please and rate and comment on the show on iTunes. Make sure you're following the show on Twitter, at HuddleUp underscore MHH. Take a second, get that done. And of course, this is a MileHighHuddle.com podcast, but there might be a fraction of you listening, whether it's through iTunes or Stitcher, who might not be aware of what we're doing over at Mile High Huddle. Mile High Huddle, of course, is part of Scout.com and the CBS Sports Digital Network. We have killer premium Broncos content, and it's more kind of deep dive stuff for the Broncoholics out there. In fact, on Friday, we've got Eric on the horn right now, and on Friday, we published a premium story that had a little bit of inside info on one Joe Mixon that was procured through Eric and a source of his, and these are the type of things that, as premium members, you get access to, and one of the benefits, uh, I should say two of the benefits, actually, of premium membership with Mile High Huddle. 10% off on tickets, 10% off on Broncos team merchandise through Fanatics. And just make sure as well you're subscribing to the show on iTunes. Huddle Up can also be found on Stitcher, Spreaker, SoundCloud, iHeart, CastBox. We're everywhere. So it's time to take a second and react to the Denver Broncos uh, pick in the first round on Thursday night. 
Of course, we waited. The board was shaping up beautifully for the Denver Broncos to kind of have, I mean, honestly, Eric, I didn't expect them to have that many blue chip options at pick 20. But when you had eight of the first 12 picks, either be quarterbacks or skill position players, you know, Reuben Foster plummeted, OJ Howard plummeted. Uh, what's his name? Jonathan Allen Plum. I mean, it was. I couldn't believe how the board was shaping up, and I wouldn't say necessarily for myself, Eric, that I was disappointed that the pick was Garrett Bowles. It's just no one really gets too stoked. No one gets really excited about any team taking an offensive lineman necessarily in the first round. But give us your rapid reaction, your gut reaction, Eric, to how that board fell, the decision there, uh, and what you make of of the Garrett Bowles pick. The Bowles fell. Um, one reason the board fell was the quarterbacks. Teams panicked on quarterbacks. The um, Bears got baited by the San Francisco 49ers to move up and give up what they did for Trubisky. Um, Chiefs wanted Patrick Mahomes the whole time. They moved up and got him. Then that put the Texans in panic mode, and they had felt they had to move up for Watson, which they did. That helped uh, Garrett Bowles fell. That helped some other players fell. But then there was some – you mentioned Ruben Foster and Jonathan Allen. There's some other stuff that – most fans aren't don't realize with them is that their medicals came back really, really bad. Um, Garrett Bowles was a top 10 player for the Denver Broncos, and he has been for a long time. He was higher than Jonathan Allen, higher than Reuben Foster, and higher, and higher than uh, O.J. Howard. Um, not sure why they had him higher than O.J. Howard, but for Foster and Allen, it was all medical reasons. I got wind about five picks into the draft yesterday that there is a concern with many teams that Foster will not be able to hold up for more than three years in the NFL. He has uh, really bad shoulder issues, and he often leads with his shoulders when tackling. And then, so watching this board fall down, and it was adamant, my source in Denver, he was adamant that it is Garrett Bowles all the way. He's been saying this since early March, that it's Garrett Bowles, Garrett Bowles, Garrett Bowles. Um, They love him. And then after they made the selection, come to find out, John Elway told them last Thursday or whenever that they would see him Thursday. Right. That it gave it away that they were going to pick him. It was one of the worst kept secrets if you chose to believe it. <laughs> right. And it's it was kind of interesting to see the fan reaction, you know, when it came to the Bulls pick because again, you know, it's just not a sexy pick taking a tackle and especially when fans have been pumped with this idea for the last several months that this is a historically weak tackle class. And then you compound that with Elway's struggles as a as a talent evaluator, as a GM, drafting tackled talent, and you can understand some of the trepidation and misgivings that the fans have. However, Eric, after a Christian McCaffrey left the board early, by the time it got to Garrett Bowles, like I really was a little bit surprised at how how knee-jerk the reaction was from, I mean, I'm just going off of comments on Mile High Huddle, I'm going off comments on our social followings on Facebook and Twitter. I mean, it was like really people just freaking out, disappointed. But for me, I look at this, if you really take some time, anyone listen to the show who's not very familiar with Garrett Bowles, or even to this day might be a little bit disappointed in the pick, take some time and go to YouTube, okay? Draft Breakdown does a great job um, highlighting players. They'll give you the plays to watch. And most of the time, it's within the um, structure of a full game. So you get the, the big picture of how a player performed throughout a game most of the time with these Draft Breakdown videos. Take some time and go check out some of Garrett Bowles' performance. Is he raw? He is, absolutely. There's, there's a lot of potential for him to grow, and he has room to grow. 
but you'll get a kick out of watching this dude play football. You talk about the Broncos, Eric, wanting to uh, you know, have that mean spirit, that be the bullies in the trenches on the offensive line. And I don't think that there's been an offensive tackle prospect as mean as one Garrett Bowles in quite a while coming out of the college ranks. I can't think of one. And not only that, he looks mean. Uh, like If you just see a picture, his face, he looks mean. I would be scared to line up across from him. And that's what Denver wants. They want these people, want these offensive linemen who can intimidate the defensive line. Because, what is it, 50% of the game is mental? Like, offensive yep. linemen, they sit there and they try and get into the defensive line's head all game long. Defensive linemen try to get into the offensive line's head. If you sit there and you put Garrett Bowles in there and just start having him growl, mm-hmm. and I was lined up against him, I'd be running back to the locker room. He's big, he's mean, he's nasty, and he looks it. Yep. He looks like Denver has somebody who threatened to eat somebody's kids once and Derek Wolf. <laughs> Bowles looks like he actually will eat someone's kids. Yeah, and that's a topic I want to touch on real quick. Again, this is just going to be a short and sweet episode with with Eric here. But, you know, it's really interesting. You talk about Garrett Bowles, and you watch his tape, and I am by no means any form of expert offensive line talent evaluator, but you listen to what he has to say and then watch his tape. He talks a lot about finishing, right? And when you – anyone who's watched – who can remember back to Super Bowl 32 when the Denver Broncos upset the Green Bay Packers win in the Super Bowl, Elway's first ring, there is that infamous play where Ed McCaffrey, uh, I can't remember the player, it was a a safety, it might have been a linebacker. Anyway, he blocks this guy, springing Howard Griffith, the fullback, and as the dude's going down, it it wasn't dirty, but it was kind of a blindside hit where the dude just wasn't, he didn't have his head on a swivel. McCaffrey... Frickin' runs right into him, hits him, and as the dude's plummeting to the ground, McCaffrey, still the play's going, and you can see it in milliseconds when you watch the the, the America's Game, in fact, of Super Bowl 32. But he's pointing in his face like, "I got you, son." As the dude's falling to the ground, and I'm telling you, if you take some time and go watch Garrett Bowles tape, you'll see him doing that kind of stuff pretty regularly. And it's really interesting because you bring up Derek Wolf. I don't know if anyone listening to the show missed this on Thursday night, but when John Elway took some time in a conference call with the media um, to talk about the pick, one of the things he talked about was uh, how they're looking forward as a team to, and how much he reminds, you know, you look at Garrett Bull's backstory, had the troubled past, family issues, uh, etc. Derek Wolf's past mirrors that in a lot of ways, not necessarily as much of a problem child, but rather just dealing with adversity as a youth. But their backstories are so similar, and as players, it kind of refined them into the same type of dude. And Elway, Eric, I thought it was interesting, talked about how it's they're they're really uh, uh, what was the phrase he used? Giggling. They're they're giggling amongst themselves, thinking about those two guys going at it in training camp. Yeah. It- Took to Twitter not long afterwards and thinking about that. And I said, I, I, I would make a bet, and it's a very safe bet, that the first fight in training camp is going to be between Wolf and Bulls. As you said, their backgrounds are similar. Their attitude's similar. There, there's basically only differences besides name is one plays defensive line, one plays offensive line. One jo- One's job is to protect the quarterback. The other's one, others is to get to him. And... That is going to cause a lot of friction. They never give up. They play to the whistle. They play mean. They play nasty. They're going to sit there and they will. It'll cause a fight. I will not be. <laughs> I'd lay down a hundred dollars now that those two are the first fight at training camp. 
<laughs> yeah, I, I wouldn't take that bet. No, I, I agree with you. It's going to be interesting uh, to see how those guys square off. But, you know, Bowles was very positive. He was introduced in Denver, of course, on Friday today. We're tracking this on Friday. And, um, you know, he talked a lot. He brought up, he kept coming back to, he mentioned it Thursday and Friday several times, mentioning Von Miller and how much he looks forward to working with Von Miller as a teammate and learning from Von Miller to become a better pass protector. And I know, Eric, you know, you look at Garrett Bowles as an as a offensive tackle, and he's a mean dude. He's going to move guys off the line of scrimmage. He's going to help uh, eliminate these third and one issues the Broncos had. But a lot of scouts have, were down on Bowles because of his, his uh, I don't know, his deficiencies as a pass blocker. And there's some metrics to, to, pass, uh, to back it up. Now, I haven't gone back and watched every single snap that the dude had in his single season starting at Utah. But how much concern do you think, Eric, fans should really have? Now, we're talking about a player who is probably a 99.9% guarantee to start a left tackle for the Broncos. How concerned should fans be about him as a pass blocker? And do you think it's something that he can work on in a relatively short amount of time to, to get on the same page and get where he needs to be? He is a little bit raw as a pass blocker. Um, there is a lot that he needs to work with, especially technique-wise. But he's got a strong punch. He just has to get used to using it a little bit more often and getting extended right off the bat. But Jeff Davidson is highly thought of as a pass-blocking coach. It's where people think he's stronger at than uh, run-blocking, which may surprise some people. And it actually surprised me when I was told this. Um, they have complete confidence that Jeff Davidson will be able to get Bowls up and ready. I was told that he will be um, the day one starter at left tackle. That he that's why they wanted him. He's an immediate upgrade over what they have and all their on roster options. A lot of people are talking about how he's going to compete with um, Ty Sambrello. I was told that the Sambrello talk was just kind of a emergency um, smokescreen kind of thing to where if they did miss out on Bowls, that they don't lose all faith from Sambrello because players may say it, but they do listen to what is said by the people in the front office and it does affect oh, yeah. them. Yeah. Um, so they, they wanted to um, throw that support back behind them just in case they missed out on bulls, but he, he's their number. He's their top left tackle. He's the best one they have, even despite his raw um, rawness. Um, he's not as long of a, pro- a big of a project as many people are making him out to be. He needs refined. He needs some work. Yes. But he's still, as I was saying, he's the best option they have. And Jeff Davidson is going to do wonders for him. I get excited just thinking about Bowles playing next to Ron Leary. You know, I think that this, you can see the Broncos really trying to get better in the trenches offensively. And really, I think it boils down to running the ball because they have the pieces in place, I think, as far as the skill positions and even both quarterbacks to be proficient in their passing game. But the concern, if you go back and look at last year's tape and look at the stats and even the advanced metrics, they were just so terrible on third down. They were so terrible running the ball that that's really been the focus. The team really feels like if they can bolster the offensive line with some people movers, some mean, tough SOBs, the running game's going to follow. And then the Broncos are going to have, Eric, a balanced offense in which they can go out and I think make some noise. That's what it's going to take. If you look at what's happened in the AFC West, uh, you know you can look at the picks that took place on Thursday in the first round. <clears throat> in the first round, the AFC West did get better. Uh, it was interesting to see Kansas City take a quarterback, but the Broncos, the defense is still going to be one of the top in the league. But in order for them to make some noise this year, they got to have a balanced attack. 
How much do you think Bowles impacts that moving forward? And then we'll get out of here. Um, as a run blocker, I think it was pro football focus. They had him ranked as the third best run blocking offensive tackle in the in college. So it, he's going to bring that meanness and toughness up front. And in the run game with them going to a more power thing, it's going to be it's not going to be moving so much. He's going to be attacking the guy head on. And he's going to look to finish him as he often states himself is that he looks to finish guys. Yep. Um, only thing that worries me, though, is that he'll get a little over aggressive and hold. He got was one of the most penalized offensive linemen in right. college last year as well. Yep. But, yeah, he's going to step in and he, he should immediately bring an upgrade to the run game. And then Leary and uh, Watson as well. It's this mean, nasty thing up. Um, look up front. Garcia brings it. Um, Paradis has it. And there's going to be a. It's going to be a whole new look up front, and they're going to be able to run the ball, which they definitely have to do. They got to take that pressure off, which every young quarterback ends up starting. Absolutely. And one other thing too, I just want to bring up, just a kind of interesting point here about uh, Garrett Bowles' backstory, is as a JUCO prospect, he was a five-star recruit. Um, coming out of Snow College, everyone under the sun wanted Garrett Bowles, including SEC powerhouses, which also includes Alabama. Garrett Bowles turned down Alabama and some other big-time SEC schools, uh, Big Ten schools, and even other Pac-12 schools to stay in the Rockies, stay close to home in Utah, and play at Utah. So he ended up in, as, in his final year in college finishing as a first-team All-Pac-12 selection. And I'm not worried about his age, Eric. I don't know how much that concerns you, but personally, his age does not bother me whatsoever. I think this time has allowed him to mature uh, and allowed him to progress to a point in his life where he's appreciating his opportunity. He's not one of these guys that's oblivious to this immense opportunity that's been presented to him. He's talked about faith, family, and football. He's got his priorities in order. And I think once he gets out on the field and starts competing and Broncos fans, Eric, get a chance to eyeball this dude in action, I think they're going to be a lot more satisfied with the decision that, that Elway made on draft day. Oh, I agree. Um, and you mentioned his age. One thing that people forget is that um, there's been a few older offensive linemen taken and they've gone on to have good careers. I can't remember everyone's name. There were, I was told four or five of them. And the only one I can remember is Andrew Whitworth who was a free agent this last, um, just this year, and Denver went after him, but a lot of people said that he was too old. His play, I had one scout actually compare Bowles to Whitworth, um, besides just the age factor. Um, if Denver can get the kind of career out of Bowles that the Bengals got out of Whitworth, they'll be happy about it. And I think it will show early on that Bowles will be on that, uh, should be on that upward trend to reaching that Whitworth level of play. Yeah. Well, one last thing before we we call it a day and and say goodbye for now. I don't. I mean, we've talked about this before in private conversations. You know, grading grading players, grading um, drafts, and this through a, a you know the, the alphabet scale. A, it's a B, it's a C. But however you would choose to grade that selection of Garrett Bowles in the first round of pick twenty, give our listeners some analysis overall how you feel about the pick, some form of grade, whether it's positive, negative, on Garrett Bowles going first round for Denver. Um, I actually had him as a early or mid-second round pick on my own personal board. I thought he needed a lot more refining and everything like that, but I am totally on board with him at number 20. Denver has the coaching staff to do it, and it's not that I thought he was bad. I just thought there were better players available for him. Right. Um, 
once I got word that he was a top ten player for Denver, I went back and I looked over the tape, and I can see why they why they think that of him. But it didn't change my evaluation of him. I still saw a lot of refining and stuff that needed to work um, needed to be worked on and everything like that. But again, they have faith in Jeff Davidson. They saw they know that he needs refinement. They know that he needs some work done, and they just have that faith there too that they'll make that Davidson will make Bulls ready. Well, we still have what could end up as nine more selections in the 2017 NFL Draft for the Broncos. It's going to be an exciting couple of days. Stick with us at Huddle Up. Stick with us at Mile High Huddle. You're you're not going to want to miss the content and the analysis we're going to be dropping here. Um, that'll do it, though, for today's episode. Be sure to follow the show on Twitter, at HuddleUpMHH. You can find Luke on Twitter, at Luke Polglaze, myself, at Chad N. Jensen. Eric, of course... Thanks for joining us, bro. Follow Eric on Twitter, at Eric Trickle, and don't forget to subscribe, y'all. For Luke and Eric, I'm Chad. We'll talk to you soon. Mile High Huddle. So, let's say you're into yoga or Pilates, or maybe you dabble in gymnastics like me. Either way, you know being flexible is key to doing what you love. That's why Smoothie King created this stretch and flex smoothie for people like us. With whole fruits and organic veggies, plus type 2 collagen, Make it part of your daily fitness routine to support flexibility and joint health. So try the Stretch and Flex smoothie in tart cherry or pineapple kale. Order online today for pickup or delivery. Smoothie King, rule the day. I think what flavor of these new Dunkin' Coconut Refreshers you get says a lot about you. Really? What's it say about me? Well, you got the refreshing golden peach because you're vibrant, fun, and positive. Oh, what about me? The bold purple pomegranate means you're vibrant, fun, and positive. I take it I got this delicious pink strawberry because I'm vibrant, fun, and positive. Yeah, it's a simple system, really. Share the shine. Enjoy a medium Dunkin' Coconut Refresher for $3. Order ahead plus earn rewards. America runs on Dunkin'. Participation may vary. Limited time offer excludes classic Dunkin' Refreshers.